Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. It is our instant reaction post-debate broadcast after the Fox Business Network debate. And here to give us his reaction is Bill Crystal. So let's start with the big question, Bill. Who won tonight? Hi, Michael. Well, instant reactions are notoriously um, often misleading. Uh, I, I always said these sort of secondary reactions to debates are often more important. What, you know, what, what sort of is out there and then gets more publicity and gets attacked and this is, is 48, 72 hours from now, can be much more important than sort of the instant who won, who lost, who seemed better, who seemed worse. Having said all that, since we're on for an instant reaction, uh, I'll give it to you. I thought Ted Cruz was very strong. I thought, you know, he just consistently had substantive answers that were well delivered. It looked a little, sometimes he looked a little too packaged. I thought he didn't particularly this time. Um, you know, I thought he was just impressive. I thought that uh, if you liked Ben Carson going in, if you liked Marco Rubio going in, if you liked Carly Fiorina going in, you saw nothing to discourage you at all. I think maybe with Ben Carson, you even saw something to encourage you. He was more substantive than I think the kind of conventional view of him is, and had a very, I thought, effective close, which reminded one why he's sort of an inspirational and moving figure almost up there. Um, I don't know that any of them really did that much, though, to help themselves, but I think they did fine. So that's Carson Rubio and Fiorina. I don't think Bush um, had saved his campaign, frankly. We should talk more about that, I suppose. I don't think Kasich I just find kind of unwatchable at this point, and maybe I'm, that's just me. I don't know. I can't believe he helped himself. Rand Paul was, if you like Rand Paul, you know, you like what he said about foreign policy, but I don't think there was much of a breakout there. Trump was Trump. I think the stick personally, is getting a little old, but, you know, I'm not a big Trump fan, I, again, I'm not sure he lost a lot of people. So probably not a debate, I should think, that moved things much. But for me, thinking ahead, um, I think in D.C., um, Ted Cruz is underrated. I come, I, that's, that's my strong view. Uh, I think the big winner tonight was whoever shorted the John Kasich campaign. I don't know how yeah. these bettings work, but man, talk about a guy who seemed to be working hard to make sure that nobody in the room liked him when it was over. It was an amazing combination of the warm, gentle touch of Bobby Jindal in the middle of a bender, plus the uh, grassroots conservative appeal of John Huntsman coming together for an instant mix with Kasich. What? what? But he was wrong. I mean, I believe, I'm thinking he sort of spent a fair amount of talking about, which is banks and why you would want them to have high capital requirements. He simply doesn't understand how that works and why you would want, which I think, definitely, a higher capital requirements. You think somehow that the people whose capital there is in there are going to take the loss and that's going to make them more attentive to what the bank does, except then he's going to bail them all out, incidentally, then said, right. if they take off, that's not why banks actually have high capital requirements, and so they can't be overly leveraged in their loans. I mean, the whole thing just struck me as, as a, I don't know, he's a guy who worked on Wall Street, incidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, now he preaches about how everyone on Wall Street's greedy. I really did find Kasich both, as you say, I, I think he was just ineffective, but also I just thought kind of off-putting. Yeah, the off-putting is the word. And when he announced that the problem in Wall Street is greed, I was like, oh, good, a president who's going to finally f- solve the problem of greed. I understand that he has uh, gluttony on the list as well. We'll be getting to that. But that it, it was the first time in this debate process where I think a lot of people looked at this went, okay, something went wrong because Chris Christie belonged on that stage and Kasich didn't. And I just wonder if that's going to affect the debates going on, because otherwise everybody else was there, like like you said, playing their game. And that's why I wonder uh, if 
as you said, will there be any lingering impacts of this debate, or will it just be just kind of another step in this in the process that no one really remembers the way they will definitely remember, say, the CNBC debate because of the poor moderation, or the first debate because of Donald Trump's kind of grab the limelight strategy. Well, but I, I do think these things, they obviously come in sequence, so even if nothing much changed, it's sort of like late in the season if a team, I don't know, splits a four-game series, but they're ahead, it's, they're better off than a team that had to come back. And I think so. I think for Jeb Bush, it was not an unimportant debate. I do not think, I can't believe he persuaded an awful lot of people who weren't already with him that they should move to him, and I don't think probably that he reassured that many of his supporters or donors uh, that he's the guy to carry the establishment flag forward. I, in that respect, I think if you watch that debate, you thought, okay, maybe, I mean, another chance for him to come back. What did he say that was memorable? He had one or two slightly weird moments, actually. One or two decent answers, but mm-hmm. one or two weird moments where he kind of laughed at his own joke almost, and he didn't, I'm not sure he really understood the banking thing either, actually. So I, I, I think this, I don't know, I guess Bush looks like he wants to hang in, he wants to fight against Rubio, but if you were just a normal establishment Republican, you looked at that debate, you thought, you know what, uh, Bush gives you nothing that Rubio doesn't have, except the fact that he was governor for eight years, which is real experience, but it's 10 years old, and, and he doesn't seem to be able to capitalize on it. So what's the point? Now, I think if you're a Rubio supporter, and I like Mark Rubio a lot personally, you get a little worried. I think, and I, I may be wrong about this, but I think he's just uh, the recourse, the default to the you know excerpts from the stump speeches, which he's extremely good at giving, and he's very fluent at sort of, you know, uh, figuring out what parts of them to use in answer to which questions. But you sort of listen to Rubio half the time, you think, I've heard this before, and I've heard it almost exactly this way before. And he, I don't know, I think he's almost too, uh, I worry as a, someone who likes Rubio, that he's uh, sort of too much in that direction, and that people might just decide, well, what does he really think about these? Does he ever, does he think about these questions when he hears them? Or does he just figure out what part of his thumb speech he's going to sort of spit out. I mean, look, all politicians do that to a considerable degree. Cruz certainly does it, others. But I, I just thought Rubio was a little more, maybe it's just me, but I thought it was a little more obtrusive, I guess I would say, in this in this debate. Well, two things, uh, starting with Rubio, is uh, when I did stand-up comedy back in the day, we used to talk to, don't, we used to talk about don't play the comics in the back of the room because you know the comics have seen your act a hundred times and so you start throwing in non sequiturs and in oddball stuff to get you know laughs out of them and the crowd is going to look i came over from jersey i've never seen you before i want your best stuff so i i i kind of get stick with your best stuff uh at this point there's a strategy there it might not be the right one but i get that strategy but on the overall i think you make a good point about the uh was there a winner? I think what, what you had here were, what, what do they call it in business, uh, opportunity costs. You only right. have so many shots, and this was another shot that Jeb Bush missed, without a doubt. Didn't do badly, he just didn't do anything. He, he, if he hadn't shown up, you would, it would not have been a d- different debate whatsoever. And the other opportunity cost, and I do this at, at tremendous risk of my own of pretending to take Donald Trump seriously as a candidate, is... If Trump is ever going to actually turn into this kind of, you know what, he's a pretty smart businessman, why not be president? He only has a limited number of opportunities to show a guy who has thought this stuff out at the level a president would. And he clearly, he's he hasn't moved the ball forward at all on policy, on any depth of understanding. He's just as winging it today as he was in the first debate. Yeah, I, I agree with both those judges, really. So I think insofar as... 
Bush really was weak going in. I don't think he straightened himself. And I guess the question just then is, how weak is he? I mean, are we really talking about a cash crunch in the campaign? Are we talking about donors really now deserting him and going to Rubio or someone else? Uh, or did he sort of stagger along and, and show up in the next debate in, in a little over a month? Trump, I think, was already sliding down a bit. He had peaked, he's, but he but sort of plateaued. Yeah, I think if you, I don't know, who knows, it's hard to tell. People are undecided for all kinds of reasons, or, or they're soft supporters of one of these guys or another. Most of the Republican primary electorate remains either uncommitted or only uh, mildly supporting whoever they're supporting. 75% at least are in play, according to most of the polls. I've right. seen that. That's, of course, common sense in a multi candidate field. Why would you, you know, most people are going to say, I like this guy, but I kind of like that guy too. And yeah, I kind of think that Trump didn't win over a lot of people. Uh, tonight, so uh, I don't know. Well, if let me let me interrupt right there the because my question for you is: Do you agree with me that he has kind of a chance? In other words, if he had spent the last few weeks saying, "Guys, I'm really going to knuckle down and get on the books here, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to raise my game to the to the level you have to be to be serious about being president," he could have shown that. This is his wheelhouse. It's the economy debate at Fox business. And if he had just shown any flourishes of, well, you know, there's actually three aspects to that and laid out his, his to, to quote Trump, bing, bang, bong, you know, his, his expertise, his thoughts, his understanding of the markets and the economy. I think he, he could have really done something. And I just see yet another time where he thinks that what he's doing now is good enough. He's just going to ride through by being snarky about Ben Carson when Ben Carson's not in the room and doing the Trump act. Yeah, no, I think that's right. It's, look, it's a huge problem in politics. I guess it's a problem for all of us in different walks of life. You, you get somewhere, hopefully pretty, you know, pretty good, as Trump has in this race, unexpectedly uh, good showing. You've got to give him a lot of credit. And then it's very hard to tell yourself what to get to the next stage or even stay at this level. I've got to change what I'm doing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a problem. You know, athletes have, everyone has, like pitchers, you know, they're great in the minor leagues, right. and they get to the majors, and they just can't. It's very hard for them to internalize the notion that what got them this far now is just a little short, and they have to take a, take a risk and do something different, which might actually make them a little worse for a while. Very hard for candidates to do that. You've been in campaigns, remember? Right. Very hard for a candidate to do that sort of midstream. Now, you could step back and say, hey, it's early, it's November, this is the time to still be making sure you're improving. It is kind of spring training, really, but that's not how it feels when you're standing on a stage with the TV lights and, and so forth. So I think you're right. I think Trump has failed to take the opportunity to improve. He asked, so, so if that's that, who, who seems better than he was two or three months ago? I guess I would say... You know, most of them have been pretty stable. I mean, Rubio was always very good at this. Maybe he's a little better, uh, a little more relaxed. Fiorita was good from the beginning and remains good. I guess I come back to what I said earlier, that I think Cruz is the one who seems to me, he was always good. He seems a little less, I don't know, artificial and uh, um, kind of overly sort of pseudo-dramatic the way he, he still has something of that inclination that's sort of too much of a speech and not enough of a conversation there. But there were times when I thought you listened to Cruz and you thought, boy, that's an intelligent guy who sort of knows quite a lot about these issues, giving a pretty coherent conservative account. And I think on immigration, incidentally, the, the, the crowd, now what was with the crowd there? So the crowd right. there struck me as, did you think that this was like Reince Priebus, the RNC Republican chairman, had totally stacked that hall with like party regulars and donors who were pro-Bush, pro-Kasich, and anti-Cruz. I mean, they were all seemed appalled when Cruz. They didn't cheer at all when Cruz gave you know some anti-immigration arguments, and when Bush and Kasich gave, you can't touch any of the 11 million, and you know it's foolish to talk about being at all tough on immigration. 
they cheered pretty pretty wildly. So I think that crowd was a little misleading for where the Republican primary electorate was. Well, I think so. Part of it also might have to do with Wisconsin, where it's not the same kind of issue that it is yeah. in other places like uh, Georgia and Virginia, et cetera, you know, because of where uh, uh, immigrants from south of the border have tended to settle. So that is an interesting question. But, but you're there. It, I, here's what's interesting to me is I think there really is. A, a more pragmatic side to this. In other words, I hear this a lot as a talk radio guy and working in the Tea Party. The we need to uphold the law and we need to de- just treat everyone the same. You have to be deported, and then followed up with, but I know that's probably not going to happen. Okay, so give me something else. And and yet again, I saw. I, I think tonight will be looked back on if it's looked back at all as an opportunity missed for somebody. Somebody could have stepped up and moved up a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the minor headlines come out of this bill is another bump for Chris Christie, not just because he looked good in the undercard, but rather his presence was missed. I mean, he he clearly was a guy who belongs there. And the more people think that way, the more I wonder, could we be heading to a uh, spring around March 1st, uh, the uh, the SEC primary. And then when it starts getting really serious, when you have to win states where you're looking at Cruz. Rubio, uh, a uh, and a surprise. Who knows? You know, could it be Christie? Could it be Carly? Who knows? And my question, final question for tonight is: Would that be a pretty good race for the Republicans headed towards Hillary? Yeah, I'd throw Carson into that mix. So I think we'll we'll stay in and be reasonably strong. I would suspect he might be stronger than Trump. So one of the two of them would be in, along with Cruz and Rubio. And I think <clears throat> I gotta very much agree with you, Carly or Christie. I just think if you look at the governors who are running now, the governors and ex-governors. So who is that? Bush, uh, Christie, um, Kasich. Kasich, Bush and Kasich who are on the stage tonight. Christie and Huckabee were better in the undercard debate than Bush and Kasich were in the main debate. Right. I think. And I wouldn't be surprised if if Christie and maybe Huckabee as well, incidentally, outlast Bush and Kasich. Uh, and up before, I would pick Christie as the one who really has a shot to make it into the final four or five. And I, I think you'll have New Hampshire will be the key state for him. He has to do sort of a little better maybe than expected in Ohio, which maybe just means fourth or something like that, but not you know eighth. But then he really would need, I think, first or second in New Hampshire. But Christie could play well in New Hampshire. It's become a little bit conventional wisdom that he's doing well up there with the town halls, but I actually talked to someone I know up there who I trust, pretty good political judgment, been through this a few cycles. And he actually does think Christie is doing well up there, so uh, maybe he is, and uh, I don't know how they'll do the rules for the next debate, And but Christie may have been helped by being in that undercard. He did quite well, and um, might have got a little lost on the stage with eight of them. As you say, I do think there's a little sense of, it, certainly if the other two governors didn't do well, Bush and Kasich, that may help. Uh, Christie down the road. Plus, I happen to know from insider sources that Christie's going to spin this, that the reason he was uh, kept off the stage last night was because he was held back by a member of the J School staff at the University of Missouri. So I think that's going to help him seize the moment once that news leaks out, Bill. So That's, that's another topic we need to talk for, about for later, another later podcast. in the week. We need to talk about X, the ExxonMobil, <laughs> the attempt by the New York Attorney General to suppress free speech at right. ExxonMobil. I mean, there really are some amazing things going the on. The things that came out about America. Hillary last week that were completely uncovered, the uh, contract she signed, which is a de facto proof that she, in fact, broke the law. Uh, there's a ton of stuff which we will cover in the Weekly Standard, in the Weekly Standard blog, and in a future Weekly Standard podcast. Bill Crystal, thanks for joining us for this instant post-debate reaction podcast here at weeklystandard.com. Thanks. Good night, Michael. Thank you.